0: Well, good morning everyone. I have been looking forward to being with you and uh, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for Mike and Lisa and their family and finally got to meet the kids last night. Um, Way more impressed with Zoe than I am with the boys, but they're young, you know, (laughs) they're going to grow. They can change. We got to let God do his work. Anyway, uh, love the name of your church. New Life Community Church. Always remember this. A church will never be measured for its greatness by its buildings or its numbers or by its cash. It will always be measured by new life. And I love the name of your church. I know that the desire of your church is to bring people to new life uh, through Christ and then also to nurture life because of Christ. And uh, I'm just impressed by what I've seen this morning so far. And, and you're the early, the early risers. It either means that you're really godly or you get super hungry by about 11. So uh, are we going to go with the super godly part? I think, I think we should. Well, God bless you. I, uh, I just love Mike. I think he's a fine man. I think you have struck gold in, in terms of pastors. Uh, there are men that wish they knew the word, but they don't. Mike does. There are men that wish that they understood what God's assignment was for the church and for his role in it as a shepherd and leader. Mike, he does. And he's got a family around him that ministers and supports. And all of you folks, um, I think that you are in a good place. And my guess is, because I do see a lot of churches in my line of work, and I've pastored for over... uh, well, 40 years in one form or another, um, I can usually tell a church quickly. So this morning, I got to tell you now, I walked in and uh, it's not that I come ready to judge a church, but let's say that there are layers to an onion. There are churches that will keep it at a good morning and that's all they want to know. Then there are the people who go the next, they peel that layer and they get to the handshake and they want to know your name. And then there are people that peel the next layer and they not only want to know your name, they want to know where you're from and what you do. And then the next layer is people who are going, and how are you? Now I'm telling you, I have been to churches where, you know, that outside brown skin is still on the onion. They're not even... We're not doing layers. I wasn't here 15 minutes and I had various people go all the way down to, and how are you? Now, folks, that's when my heart warms up and I believe that Jesus is in the place. So carry on. You cannot underestimate the power of really being interested in people. Because every single one of us have got a heart that wants to be peeled We want to be loved and known and cared for, and we don't know how to say it. But if someone will lead me there, I'd be glad to tell you how I really am and why I'm in church today. Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for these dear people this morning, Lord, and for this wonderful church. Father, thank you for the work you're doing in the lives of the people here, which means you are doing a work In the lives of the people so that they can be part of the work in this church, for this community. Lord, teach us to say yes instead of no. Teach us to want to know our gifts and use them instead of hide them. And teach us, Lord, to be warriors instead of worriers. We love you and trust you this morning, Lord, and we pray you would lead us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I use slides when I preach and teach, but my wife always says, you've got to show people you at least own a Bible, Colin. So this is my Bible, and I love it. This is the finished version. It's authoritative. It's true. It's finished. And if you're living by any other dictate other than the words in this book, you are wasting your time. Amen? All right. All right. Amen. Well, listen, before I get started on my message, I got to tell you this story about Mike. Now, Mike didn't come by faith naturally. He had to work his way to a place of faith because you know how thinkers are. They don't just drop over the edge. They got to look at the edge. They got to work. How high is it? And what if I run? What if I don't run? Is there anything down there that'll catch? Mike's a thinker. So faith doesn't necessarily come easy to thinkers, right? So he's a little boy. The family is decorating the Christmas tree and everybody is doing their part and, and uh, mom says, Mikey, which is, you know, what she called him, Mikey, did she? No. Uh, well, I'm going to go with it. Mikey, there's one very important box of ornaments uh, in the garage and we forgot to bring it in. Would you go out and just grab that for mom and then we'll put those ornaments on the tree and, Mikey says, well, Mom, the light is out in the garage. It's dark. And she said, well, Mikey, now's a good opportunity for you to learn the art of putting faith in Jesus before your fear of the dark. Mike just looked at her, and she said, now you go into the garage, open that door, and even though it's dark, you trust that Jesus is there with you, and he'll help you get those ornaments and bring them into the house. Mikey looked at his mom and said, It's dark, Mom. I hate the dark. She goes, I know, but this is one of those moments, son, and they're rare. So we're going to trust God with it. You. you go out there, open that garage door, step out into the dark, and trust that Jesus is there and that he's going to help you. So Mikey goes to the garage door and... Opens it up, sees the dark. He looks back at mom and she goes, He's right there, honey. Mike looks at her and then looks at the garage and goes, Jesus, hand me those ornaments, would you? <laughs> Man of faith, you believe Jesus was there. It's a heartwarming story, Mike. Now, I can see that there's a clock on the back, which is good. I brought my phone up here because I'm notorious for going long, and Mike said, listen, you need to be done by noon. So <laughs> I am pretty much on schedule here, I think. All right, Christmas. Anybody here not like Christmas? I, OK, we got one. We got one. And you know what? The aisle is really wide, so when you come forward, you won't have to. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why right? I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I've been watching Hallmark movies with my wife and uh, we wait for the handsome guy with the five o'clock shadow carrying the wood to come around the corner and they look at each other and then he promises to stay and help with the festival and then she bakes her cookies and everything ends up perfectly every time. But you'll notice that life isn't like that really. It's not a Hallmark movie but that's why we watch them, right? Because We just think, well, that's a whole different kind of excitement when things turn out. Anyway, I love the food. Can anybody guess that I love eggnog? I love the oranges. I love the gatherings. I love the lights. I love all of it. I have been a Christmas advocate since I was this high, and I'm still, I like it. It's a great season. It's a relief. It's a great season of relief. So, When I say Merry Christmas to you, I really mean it. I hope you have a great December. I hope things go well. Now, let me ask this question. Does it seem like life is missing a piece? I think most of us would say, yeah. Now that you say that, I would have to say, in my life and my observation of our world and, and, and culture and community, I wouldn't say that all the pieces are there. Something's missing. Right? There's always something wrong. When we think about the world that we're living in and we want to trust it for our safety and our health and for hope and happiness, a lot of times we can say there's something missing. For safety, in other words, when we go to, to the law and government to provide safety for us, do they get it right 100% of the time? I don't even want to guess at some of the percentages that some of you might have in your... In your mind right now, when it comes to health, are you following the science? You're absolutely convinced that everything about law and government understands what we need medically? Would you say in terms of hope that the philosophies that you have attempted to understand or the religions you have attempted to practice have met that deep hole in your soul? Or when it comes to happiness, is self-gratification getting it done? Do you see a world of people who are freer to do what they want, say what they want? There's no boundaries, there's no lines, there's no right and wrong. Do you see people getting happier? I don't. I don't, which leads me to my next question. Not only does it seem like life is missing a piece, does it feel like your life is missing peace? And again, most of us would be honest enough to say, you know... I don't have peace when I put my faith and trust in law and government, science and medicine, philosophy and religion, and self-gratification. It does not hit the mark. There's a hole in my soul. And the people I know at work and in my neighborhood and in my family and even in my friends, there are people with gaping holes in their souls. And they're trying all of this all the time. And it's not changing anything for them. It's painful to watch. It's even more painful to live. And many of us, if you could have the microphone this morning like me, you could come up here and tell you your story about how you had a hole in your soul and how you finally found a way to fill it. That would be my story as well. Scripture teaches that the missing piece is God and the missing piece is Christ. Christ. Just look at those words for a few minutes. The missing piece in our world and in this life is God. He is not absent. You and I know he is present. By faith, we accept that. By the truth, we declare that. But in the world around us, there are great efforts being made, I think, at every level and in many ways to pull God out of the equation completely. We are becoming a humanistic, post-Christian era like nothing we've ever seen before. And something I said to Mike just last night was, you know what, I don't think we're going back. We are on a slippery slope and there's no way back up. I don't care who gets elected. I don't care which provincial government does this and the other provincial government doesn't do that and... We've we've engaged a slippery slope that I think has been prophesied, which is not what I'm talking about this morning. And I don't think there's a way back up that hill, guys. I really think that we are watching the beginning of the end. Don't you feel it in your soul? Don't you feel it? The beginning of the end. And I don't know where the end ends and then that new start starts. But man, I have to admit the condition of my world and the truth of the word and the greatness of my God have all got my attention right now. They really do. Scripture teaches that the missing piece is God and the missing piece is Christ and no other. What you're missing in total is peace with God through Christ. Now, if you're one of those people that doesn't know exactly how am I going to tell the truth to my friend, my neighbor, my coworker, my family member, what is it my message is exactly?" when we try and imagine saying all of this to a friend or a family member, a coworker or a, a family member, we, we get tongue-tied right away, and you should. There's a lot in here. There's too much in here. But you need to learn those five words. What you're looking for is peace with God through Christ, and it's the only place to find it, and it's the only way to acquire it. Right? So the question is, how? And this brings us to the Christmas season, and peace, and the message that we are proclaiming and celebrating throughout December, and well, you know, through the year. Through the year, of course. So this morning, I want to talk about finding peace with God through Christ. And I'm going to take you to the you know, predictable, overused. Oh my goodness, please tell me he's not going to go to Luke chapter 2. Well, where else would I go? Absolutely, we're going to Luke chapter 2. It's the first Sunday in December. And you have a whole month of celebration. And you need to remember why and what it's supposed to do in your life and mine and in our world. And it's all in Luke chapter 2. Perfect. So let's look at Luke chapter uh, two eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. When we encounter the supernatural, our immediate response has got to be, I didn't realize how small, insignificant, and weak I was until this moment. If any of us ever encountered the supernatural we would drop to the ground. We would be terrified. We'd be terrified. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now remember that verse because it's super important. The word good news here is kara, which is salvation. And it means life would replace death. That's the good news. But to understand the good news, you have to accept that apparently... You're dead. Otherwise, it can't be good news of great joy. You have to know something's wrong. Something's missing. There's a peace missing, and there's a peace missing. And this angel is saying, I bring you good news. I'm going to show you the peace and introduce you to the way to find the peace. Life would replace death. So verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. Savior is speaking of the person Jesus, which is the meaning of his name. Christ in Hebrew is Messiah. And the Lord is God. The, the, the angel is saying, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of salvation, which is great. Great news to you because you need salvation because you're dead, but you can be alive. And how and through whom? The Savior is Jesus. He is Christ the Messiah. And don't make any mistakes here. He is God. That's loaded. That is so full. That is so full. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. So when an angel appears out of nowhere with a myriad of other angels, and they're humming in the background while he's sort of making this. And they're like, I don't know, standing, floating, hovering like six feet up. I don't know. But they were terrified and should have been. He says, don't be afraid because the good news is going to outweigh the terror in your heart right now. And then he says, in fact, there will be a sign as proof. There will be a sign. And the sign is you will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Now, this sign was that Jesus was born to be buried. Weird, right? It would just be nice if he had said, There is the cutest little baby in this stall. There's animals around and sort of light shining down. And the animals have taken straw and tried to decorate the little barn. It's so cute. The message is there is a baby who was born to be buried. And here's how you know it. You will find him wrapped in cloths. Now, in Bible times, when someone died and they did this with Jesus they would cover his body in spices and fruit and then wrap it in strips of cloth, sort of like an exterior embalming so that during the period of worship that followed a person's death, they could be around that body and it was honoring and respectful to the body. Why didn't it say, you will find a baby with the cutest little blanket covering it? Because that wasn't part of the sign. The sign is the strips of cloth that are burial cloths. He was born to be buried and lying in a manger. Do you remember when they took Jesus down from the cross? They borrowed a place for him to rest. And they borrowed the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And he was lying in a borrowed place when he was raised. Jesus was born to be buried, wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. He was born to be buried in strips of cloths, lying in a borrowed place. There's two stories being told in this one declaration, this one magnificent announcement. There will be a baby. Here's the sign. It's a baby that is born to die. Right? Jesus was born to die, born in the beautiful manger and then would head for the cross of crucifixion to pay for our sin and free us from death. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And there it is. Peace? How did you know that I needed to hear good news of great joy, meaning that all I've got in my life right now is bad news, and I feel great despair. But you come with a, a, a message that is good news of great joy for everybody. I'm intrigued, and here it is. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Romans 1.5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 1.11, Our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Christ is the one who through his birth and life and ministry, his death and resurrection, has made it possible for us to know Peace. With God, peace within, peace with others. In other words, a Christian that knows what the word of God has said and believes it as truth is blessed by virtue of the fact that God did something amazing that was and still is to this day a miracle. We benefit from it every minute. Luke 2.15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. All right, so we've just been told. Let's go see if it's true. And they did. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Perhaps the first Bible verse that says, we should not keep this to ourselves. This news is so good, we should probably tell others. It'd be selfish, it'd be wrong. This obviously isn't just for us, it's for all people. Good news of great joy for all the people. You know what, we should tell others. And that is the mandate that you and I still uh, uh, suffer from today, if you want to use the word suffer, is that, that sense of, I should be telling Others, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should. You don't have to be weird about it. What I've always said to my friends and family and the the churches I've pastored is, if you think Jesus is strange, you're going to be strange when you try and tell somebody that you know Jesus. If you think the Bible's only half true, that's going to come out when you say, no, 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 it's in the Bible, I think. I mean, if you believe that sort of thing. Of course, it's all going to get weird. Normalize your faith. Decide whether or not you are a believer that believes. And just be, 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 don't be afraid to just announce it. Yeah, so anyway, I guess, you know, the Bible says we're messed up. We need relief. God sent Jesus. Jesus died to forgive me of my sin and my sins. And I just believe in him. And churches where I go to say that and learn more about it. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to know this. You don't have to memorize everything in here. Are you kidding? I mean, Mike has, but I haven't. That's a lot. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising for all the things... They had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, where is verse 18? And what does verse 18 say? And this is, this is the kicker. I love this. Where is Luke eighteen 2.18, and what does it say? And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Nobody yawned. Nobody did the, yeah, you know, the, the church over in the corner, had they said they had a miracle last week, so... I don't see what you're. They were amazed at what these guys were saying. They knew what shepherds were, and they're like, the shepherds were amazed. And what they just told me makes me amazed. And the word amazed here means astonished, surprised, left in a state of wonder and marvel. They were convic, con, convinced that something happened. And after you're convinced that something happened, right after that comes conviction. Is there something I'm supposed to do with that? Right? It doesn't say that they believed or did not believe at this point, but it does say that they were amazed. And what were they amazed about? Well, you and I know on this side of the cross, right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never die but have eternal life. What? Eternal life? For believing? For believing? Even if I die, I won't die? It's incredible. And I live forever? Are you kidding me? Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And if you go on reading there in John, it says, because the world was condemned already. He didn't need to come to condemn it. God sent his Son out of love for us To save us from our bad news and great despair he changed everything up and said how about some good news of great joy for all the people and he sends Jesus Christ to you and me now I want to introduce you to the four trees of Christmas because the question begs to to be asked "Uh, uh, okay How is through Jesus, but why? How do you know that I was dead and I needed life? How do you know that I was outside fellowship with God and I needed to reenter somehow? How do you know? Well, if you know about the four trees of Christmas, then you know, right? It starts with the tree of life in the garden in early Genesis. And in the beginning, mankind obeyed God. And in that obedience, they had peace, they had life, and they had God. But then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was the other one of the significant two trees in the garden. One gives life, and one introduces you to knowledge that is the potential for disobedience that leads to sin and did. You know the story, so I'm not going to go back over it, but when sin appeared in the life of mankind, they went from obeying God to disobeying him. They went from having peace to losing their peace. They went from having life to losing their life, and they went from having a relationship with God to losing their relationship with God. The result is that man goes from obeying God to rejecting God. He had peace, but now he has to search for peace. He had life, but now he needs life. And he had God, and now he thinks he is God. I say it this way in my counseling and in my pastoring. and God created us whole, full, strong, and alive. But sin left us broken, empty, weak, and dead. And now we spend our lives trying to find what will fix the brokenness, fill the emptiness, renew our strength, and revive our life. And the scriptures say that you can only get that One of two ways. You do it as best you can in the flesh or you do it with the best God can by his spirit. And most of you know what it feels like to be broken, empty, weak and dead and searching for the ways to fix and fill and renew and revive. It is a miserable journey until you discover this and the God who wrote it and the Christ who accounted for it. And that is our way to be whole, full, strong, and alive again is through Christ. So what did God do? We have rejected God. We're searching for peace. We need life. We think we're God. He interrupts history and says, okay, enough, enough. And he did this in Genesis 3.15 in the midst of his own um, uh, pronouncements and cursing. He announces, oh, and by the way, I'm going to resolve this with a Savior. And he finally brings that Savior promise to bear when this little baby is born of a virgin and is lying in a manger in strips of cloth in a borrowed place. Right? And this is the tree of crucifixion. Mark ten forty five. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The tree of crucifixion. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? So we go from obeying God to disobeying God to rejecting God, but through Christ crucified, God's forgiveness is brought to bear and it restores peace. We receive life and we are free to love God. And that's how we are trying to spend our lives now, isn't it? So here's the fourth tree of Christmas. When I was in seminary, I had a friend who was a bit on the legalistic side. And he was a young theologian. And he was like, I went home and told Val, we're not having a Christmas tree. It's got pagan roots, origins are dark, no Christmas tree in our house. I said, Buck, Christmas trees are beautiful. Ah, and there's the trick, Colin, They lure you in with those lights. I'm like, brother, you are wound too tight. Listen, if you understand the four trees of Christmas, you can see the theme here. The tree of life, a tree of, of um, sin, a tree of death that leads to life. When I look at my Christmas tree in our living room, we just got our, our tree up the other night. Um... It's beautiful. I was at uh, Mike and Alisa's last night, and they've got gifts under their trees already with all your names on them. It was so beautiful. But when I look at that tree, I look at the light, and I think the light of the world. I look at the beauty, and I think the beauty of God in my life. When I look at the gifts, I say, thank you, Lord, for teaching me to give also. Christmas is about Good news of great joy for all the people. You think about your friends and family and co-workers and neighbors right now. How many of them are struggling with bad news, great despair, and they're pretty sure it's only them. Everyone else is doing great. Imagine having the opportunity this December to say, Can I tell you about some good news that brings joy and it's for you? People are ready to listen. Nothing in our world is going well and they know it. They can feel it to the the core of their being. They can feel it. They know it. Don't let this season pass you by without making the most of it. Let me close this way. Does it seem like life is missing a piece, right? Does it feel like your life is missing peace? Well, according to the scriptures, the missing piece is God and the missing piece is Christ. And what you are actually looking for is peace with God through Christ. Don't go looking for anything else and don't settle for anything else. We have the real deal. We're the ones that need to embrace it by grace through faith in Jesus' name. So listen, be amazed, and believe and move forward with Christ as your Savior and God as your sovereign, loving, heavenly Father. Would you stand, please? Father, we love you, we trust you, we thank you for your message to us, Lord, that made a difference then and makes a difference now and needs to make a difference in a a lot of people's lives, Lord. We, uh, We thank you for this morning and for this worship. We pray that you would bless these dear people, Father, their lives, their personal ministries and the ministries they have in this church, Lord. I pray that you would continue to expand the army in this church to have more and more servants. More and more people who say, yes, I will, yes, I can, yes, I'll try, instead of just letting someone else do it. Lord, we owe you everything. Let us give back to you what we can because you have given everything that we needed. In Jesus' name, amen.